Hey, good morning. Welcome to Bible Study Live. My name is Matt Koenig, and we're about to study the Bible live together. Thank you so much for joining me. Look, if this is your first time here or your bazillionth time here, I don't think I have a bazillion episodes, uh, I want to remind you that uh, the whole goal of this is not to preach a sermon to you, but it's really to uh, create conversation without condemnation. I want you to, to uh, leave this and uh, start contemplating what these scriptures mean and how God is trying to speak to you through them, uh, because that's what I'm trying to figure out as I read them too. And what we're going to dig into this morning comes from the devotional that my wife and I were reading this morning, and it is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And uh, Jesus is sharing a story, and we're gonna we're gonna read through this story, and then uh, I'm just gonna break down what I'm wrestling with as we read through it. Now. Um, I would love it if you would share your comments. I can't always see them. I think they show up from like uh, my Facebook page and my YouTube channel and possibly LinkedIn, um, but they don't show up from my regular Facebook timeline while I'm live. So uh, if you do comment on it, I will absolutely answer your questions afterward if I don't see them during the live stream. That being said, uh, I'm going to share my screen and we're going to get rocking and rolling here. Today I'm reading from the New International Version. Whatever version you're reading from is fine to read from. Oh, you know what? Uh, I've been like loving this lately, and so we're going to do this as we get started. Um, I love that Joel Osteen starts, well, regardless of what you think of Joel Osteen, I do love that he starts every service uh, acknowledging the, the value and the truth of God's Word. And so he, they always say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess that my uh, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love that he says that every time, because it's a way of just acknowledging, hey, my heart's open, I'm ready to hear you speak to me, God. Uh, and, uh, and my mind is alert and focused. I'm trying to hear your word. I'm not like listening in the background, stuff like that. And it acknowledges that God's word is true. I just love that he does that every time. So anyways, let's dig in uh, to Matthew chapter 20. And we're uh, looking at the New International Version today. Uh, often I do the message or the NLT or the NET because I love to lean toward those. But today we're just going to read from a different version because uh, some people, a lot of people love the NIV. So I just figured, why not? Let's switch it up. So we're going to read Matthew 20 verses 1 through 16. Um, by the way, chapter markers, numbers, verses, these little headings, those are not in the original manuscripts at all. The translators put those in there to give us an idea of the story and things like that. So uh, here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, well, you also go work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Now, I'm going to click on this footnote here. A denarius was the usual's uh, daily wage 
for a day laborer. This is important to understand. So the people start at 9 a.m. This is a, a wage for an entire day. They're they're good with it, right? Okay. So <clears throat> start with the last go to the first. So the workers that were hired at about five in the afternoon uh, came and each received a denarius. So when those that uh, came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired the last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Whew, there's a whole lot to unpack here, isn't there? So let's just kind of dig into to this scripture. So first things first, this is a parable, right? Meaning a story that's got a deeper meaning. Um, so if you if you study, there's uh, like in, in the Jewish way of studying scripture, there's the Peshat, there's your, your surface level teaching. Uh, and then beyond that is something called the Remez. The Remez is the deeper meaning behind the story. So often rabbis would teach using parables and, and things so that their students would look for the Remez, the deeper meaning in the story. And I love it because there's a lot of this that sure seems pretty simple to understand, right? But let's start, let's begin, as Stephen Covey says, let's begin at the beginning, right? So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, so he's talking about God's kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven. Uh, we can say the, the age to come. We could say what's uh, beyond the veil, right? Because heaven exists right now. Um, so God's kingdom, not the earthly kingdom. And he, Jesus says the kingdom is like a landowner. That's a, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, who went out early in the morning to hire workers. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them in the vineyard. So they said, yeah, I'll, I'll accept a full day's wage to work for you. Great. So they said, yes, I'll do it. And then he saw other people a couple hours later and he hired them for the same. All right. Well, he hired them. It doesn't say that he even discussed pay with them. And then again at noon and again at three and again at five. So, so, so the landowner in this parable is, is inviting everybody. Hey, come do the work with me. Come do the work with me. Come do the work with me. But the ones early on, they're the ones who knew what the wage was right out of the gate. At least that's what we see here, right? Because it doesn't tell us anywhere else in the scripture that wage was discussed with anyone other than the first group of people, right? So the very first people, when I look at this, I think of like, think of God's chosen people, right? The Hebrew people. They knew that following God would lead them to the promised land, right? Well, only a couple of them actually made it in, right? That's a big deal. Um, but they knew the wage. They knew what they were getting into. Now, the other ones, they were just like, hey, and we, we just want to work. Nobody's hired us. You know, when it says when the landowner's like, why are you standing around? They're like, no, nobody hired us. Nobody invited us to work with them. And he goes, hey, come, come work for me. Come on, come work in my vineyard. Come work in my vineyard. Come be part of this. Come, come be part of what we're doing, the work we're putting in here in the vineyard. Come on, come join us. And then at the end of the day, the foreman is going to pay the wages. And he starts with the ones that were brought in last. Now, when we see this, I bet, I bet they were surprised to get a full day's wage for only putting in a couple of hours, right? And obviously the people that worked the whole day 
all of a sudden they got upset. And the interesting thing was they got upset about getting exactly what they asked for. Exactly what they agreed to, right? The landowner says it in this parable at the beginning, hey, I'm going to give you a full day's wage. They accepted that and they went to work. Now, it's interesting because I've heard people talk about this and, um, and when I wrestle with this, I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to show me through this story? And I know the easy go-to is like, look, you know, someone could come to know God late in life and they still get the same grace and mercy and they get into the kingdom of heaven. And I think that there's, that's part of the, part of the message we're supposed to get. But as my wife and I were talking this morning, I said, you know, it reminds me of this thing and I'm not going to like, you know, name stuff, but few years ago, my business partner, Chris and I, man, we, we were working so hard to try and grow something and, um, we were doing it ethically and honestly, right? No misrepresentation, no BS. And, uh, we saw this other company and this other group doing some stuff that we, I mean, it was quite obviously shady and we were like, what the heck? This is nuts. You know, I can't believe anybody would buy into this crap. Um, oops, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and, and so we were like, what, what the heck, you know, like, and then all of a sudden we just saw a ton of people like pouring money into what this group of people were doing. And we were like, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I was so frustrated. I'm like, man, these, some of the folks like I knew, and they were just throwing God's name around because it was profitable. Um, but what they were doing was taking advantage. And I got to tell you, I wasn't really walking closely with God at that time at all. Okay. But I even was like, man, God, I don't like, I literally just gotten back on the path. I guess this was maybe six, six years ago. Yeah. It's pretty six years ago, five years ago. And I had just, just begun walking with the Lord again. And I'm just like, really God, like I'm doing everything on the up and up. I'm trying to do everything the right way. And I see these people over here just scamming and, and using your name, uh, in a way that's just gross to me yet you're allowing them these blessings. What the heck? Now, there are a couple of things here. Number one, it's easy to feel that way, right? The people that agreed to work the whole day, right? They're like, well, wait a minute. Heck, like when I read this, I go, well, they're probably thinking, well, geez, if I would have known I could get a whole day's wage for starting at five o'clock, I would have waited till the end to start. I mean, then I wouldn't have had to work hard and I still got the blessing right? That could be an easy feeling to go to. And selfishly, I think I felt like that, but I don't think this story is about that. I don't think this story is about the, the unbeliever, you know, uh, the one who didn't agree at the beginning as much as I think it's really a life lesson for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who sometimes get frustrated because, well, here, I'll tell you, I had a conversation with someone who's one of my closest, um, favorite human beings. I'm not going to use that person's name because I don't want them to be offended. And, and by the way, they did, they did or said nothing wrong here, but we were having this conversation about God's grace and salvation, uh, hot topic for Christians, right? Salvation. You get saved when Jesus died on the cross. You get saved when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You get saved when you're baptized, where you saved as an infant when you're baptized, the age of accountability, right? There's all this debate around salvation. I am in the camp of belief that the rescue from hell came when Jesus died on the cross, but that it isn't a ticket to heaven, that the way to heaven is through Jesus and we have to follow him, right? It doesn't mean we become perfect in our human flesh, but that we have to love God, love others, 
and, and genuinely God knows in our heart if he's a priority or not. How do we know that God knows in our heart what, you know, whether we're truly following him? Because there are people that go up to Jesus in the age to come and say, hey, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. Like, I don't know you, right? Which shows me something interesting. Those people that approach Jesus, they, they weren't in hell. They weren't on fire. They were going around using Jesus' name, but apparently Jesus was like, I don't know you. Well, if Jesus didn't know him, then that means maybe Holy Spirit wasn't even in them. We could, we could infer a lot of things, right? We don't know. There's a lot we don't know. So we have to cling to what we do know. What we do know is Jesus said the most important thing is love God, love others. So when I look at this parable of the landowner, what I see Jesus teaching in this lesson, what I've wrestled with and what I feel like God is revealing to me is that this was a great example of those at the beginning not loving others. See, because if they were loving others, they would have been like, what? Look how awesome this landowner is. I mean, those guys didn't even have work. And then finally, at the end of the day, they find work and the landowner says, hey, I'm still going to pay you a full day's wage. Why? Because you know what? I bet if you were here in the morning and I'd seen you and hired you, you would have come to work too. Right? Like the landowner in the story seems to, for whatever reason, have said, I'm, I'm giving you a full day's wage. And the people that worked all day, when they saw that generous blessing being poured out on those that came in at five, if they were truly loving others, they wouldn't have been focused on self and going, oh man, you, you gave them the same as you gave us and we worked in the heat all day. They would have said, wow, what a generous landowner. What an amazing gift that was. Rejoice. Let's rejoice with those who are rejoicing. <sighs> That's what I see happening in this story. And, and sometimes it makes me think of this conversation I had with my good friend when we lived in a different state. And we were, um, we were hanging out one morning. We were doing some exercise stuff together. And we were chatting. And, and I said, you know, I'm really wrestling with some stuff in the scripture because I, I had read uh, where Paul was just saying, look, when, while we were still God's enemy, he sent Jesus to die for us while we were helpless and could do nothing so that we couldn't boast and say that we did it ourselves so that we couldn't act like we earned it. And a lot of times as Christians, I think we feel like, well, I've lived a good life, so I deserve heaven now, right? We'll say with our mouth like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't deserve it. But in here, in here, sometimes I think we believe we deserve it, which is, I think at the core, why we often, so often look to draw assumptions on whether or not someone is saved. See, if we were truly loving others, wouldn't we hope and assume everyone is saved, that God gets what he wants, right? The Bible says that it's God's will that none should perish. It doesn't say it's God's will that no Christian should perish. Scriptures actually say that it is God's will that none should perish. None means no one. And that perish seems to be a reference to eternal damnation, to missing out on the age to come. Now, I'm not telling you that's how you should think, but I'm saying that's what I see when I wrestle with the scriptures. If the scriptures say it is God's will that none should perish, then we have to say, well, then what does God do to go about accomplishing his will, right? Well, Jesus sent people out and said, go make disciples, go make students of me, right? Why would Jesus say that? So that people can make the choice to follow him. Follow him where? Into the age to come into heaven, into the blessings and the mercy and the gifts that God has. When I hear the story, this story, the parable, it makes me think so much of how Christians look at people and go, well, I don't know if they're really saved. 
or well you know we need to get them saved or oh they're you know they're they haven't accepted jesus they're not saved or they they haven't said the right words or they don't go to church or you know oh yeah they say they're a christian but they're never at church so i don't know if they're really saved or not it's none of my business if they're saved or not number one i assume they are i assume that jesus death on the cross saved everyone from hell now scriptures also say that nothing can take us out of the hand of God. The devil can't take us out of God's hand. However, God did give us free will so we can step outside of his will and we can step away from the blessings that God wants to give us. I believe that we see very clearly that we have the opportunity to reject God. But I personally believe that people who have rejected God have done so because they haven't truly encountered him. I believe, and I could be very wrong, but I'd rather err on the side of, of giving God the benefit of the doubt uh, than not. <clears throat> but I truly believe no one, no one today would say no to Jesus if they truly knew who he was and what he was about. When I hear people talking about saying no to God and no to Jesus, all of the reasoning are things that aren't true of God's character. Nobody says, I reject, I, I've never met anybody who's, I reject Jesus because no one should love people. I reject God because no one should show that kind of grace and mercy. I've never heard someone say that. I've heard people say, I reject God and Jesus because of this thing from the Bible that either someone told them or they read without understanding the context. I've heard people say, I reject God and Jesus because experience with a church or people within the church body. See, I've never heard someone, ever heard someone say, I reject God and Jesus because, wow, I hate when people are generous with others. I hate when people are generously handing out love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. So that's why I don't want to follow God. Never heard that. Whew. So when I wrestle with this parable, I feel like the lesson here is that there are a million lessons, but one of them is this. It's never too late for someone to come experience the generosity of God. It's never too late for someone to experience the fullness of his blessing. <clears throat> Whether you believe someone is is saved when they confess with their lips and believe in their heart, as the scriptures do say. Scriptures also say that a woman will be saved through childbirth. Scriptures also show us that when Zacchaeus said he was going to, you know, pay back, you know, way more than he took and give away half his money, Jesus said salvation came to this whole house, right? We actually read multiple things where, like, where Jesus says salvation came to this, and other scriptures say salvation was because of that. And when Peter says repent and be baptized, right, to, and then you'll be saved, right? Like, so we see all these things, so it's no wonder that we don't all agree on when the moment happens. So I'm going to choose to believe that the moment of salvation from hell happened when Jesus died on the cross. And when he said the words, it is finished. Or the other account where he says, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Right? I'm going to choose to believe that salvation from hell came in that moment. I'm also going to choose to believe we can reject God and miss out on his infinite blessing. And when I see this parable 
and the workers who in the beginning said, I'm in, I want to work for you. And then seeing them turn on him, that to me is an example of, um, it just reminds me of people who go like, <laughs> well, like the scripture that says, you know, uh, that talks about the dinner party and the people that were invited and didn't, didn't show up. So God said, go just pull in everybody off the streets, right? Or the, the master said, go pull in everybody off the streets. And it's it kind of like alluding to like, man, we're going to be surprised by who we see in the age to come that we thought were out, but we're actually in. And I think of this parable as like a Christian who has given their whole life or, or maybe someone who's Jewish who has focused their whole life on following because Christianity, by the way, is just Judaism with Jesus. If we're being honest, take away the 613 oral and written traditions, uh, oral and written laws. Like the reality is Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came and said, you've heard it said, but I say like he came to go, let me tell you what my dad meant when all of this was laid out. Right. So Jewish Christian, whatever. I think what it is, is there, I, I, my mind paints this picture of people who have said, I followed God my whole life. I stuck to his rules. I did my very best. And now here we are and I make it in. <clears throat> and I see that, that alcoholic homeless person up here. I see that, I see that person who never went to church. How are they here? See, there's an, there's an unseen, unspoken sentence in this parable. You know, those, those angry hired hands, the, the workers that started in the morning, they said, <clears throat> those who were hired last only worked for one hour and you've made them equal to us who have borne the work in the heat of the day. What they were saying is, we did more. We're better than them. We deserve more. What it really seems like is being said here. <laughs> the unsaid part, the quiet part that I'm going to say out loud is, if I would have known I could have got all the same blessing at the end, I would have done my will, not yours, all day long. Right? If I would have known you'd give me the same blessing, the fullness of it, by just showing up for the last hour, then I would have focused on me the whole rest of the time. And how many times, brothers and sisters, have we felt like that? How many times have you been tempted to go, I know Jesus, his, his death covered my sin, his grace and mercy covers me. <sighs> so if I'm covered, I guess I can do what I want, focus on what I want instead of focusing on what God wants. Instead of focusing on God's will for my life, I'm just going to do me. There's a lot of us like that. And there are moments, I'm not going to pretend there are moments where I've felt like that in my life where I'm like, I mean, I know Jesus saved me from hell. So, you know, I know I'm forgiven. So like there's this temptation sometimes. But I think the big lesson is this. <laughs> as the, as the farm owner said, um, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? If we don't want to be envious of God's generosity and salty about it, all we have to do is be like God and be generous. If we focus our lives on being generous, my wife, God, I love her. She's so cool. She 
says so often. She goes, I know I can't do it, but I want to try and outgive God. She's like, I want to be so loving and so generous. Uh, like, I, I, I want to compete to, to outgive God. Now, she's, that's not a thing that obviously she thinks is possible, right? Nobody can out-God anything that God does, right? But I love that that's her heart, is to be so much like her Father in heaven that people look at her and think, your generosity and your love is ridiculous. These people don't deserve what you're doing. And my wife wants to be seen as ridiculous like that. Those of you that know me know I way out kicked my coverage with her. Hands down. She is such a good example of everything that uh, I believe Jesus wants us to become. And, uh, and she sets a good example for me. So I love that. So listen, no matter where you're at in your journey, maybe you're new to Christianity, maybe you're new to following Jesus and you hear this story and you're like, whoa, that's kind of nutty. Like, why wouldn't you give the other people extra or whatever? Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you're wrestling with it and you just don't have, you're not yet surrounded by people who will wrestle with the text with you or, or wrestle with the questions. Look, we all have questions. Right? We're all reading. We're all reading the same book here. We're all reading the same book. Some of us are just a few pages deeper into the story. If you got questions, feel free to message them over. I don't have all the answers, but I'm sure we help wrestle with them with you. If you've got prayers that you need, please feel free to send them over. Uh, my wife and I'll be praying for you. If you're watching this on somebody else's computer because you don't have access to like a phone where you could download the the, the Bible app from you version for free or something like that, if you need a Bible, feel free to message your name, address, and phone number. We'll shoot you one from Amazon, uh, and we'll do it at our expense. Um, we're not going to spam you or sign you up for any marketing list or anything like that, but we'll send you that so that you have a way to get in God's word. Um, last but certainly not least, speaking of my wife, because she's pretty amazing, we have a book that uh, just came out. I guess you don't need the Rockstar SMS logo, do you? Um, we have a book that just came out. Uh, press releases just hit. If you'd like to uh, be able to pick that book up on Amazon, uh, we'd love it. We'd love it if you would grab a copy. You can text the word love to that toll-free number you see on the screen, one 983 Standard messaging and data rates apply. Frequency varies. have to give you the... Uh, the legal disclaimers there if you're texting. Um, but if you text the word love to that phone number, one 983 uh, you'll automatically just receive a link back with uh, with the book on Amazon. It's called For This Reason, How to Live in Ephesians 5 Marriage. I think it's a pretty darn good book. Hope you'll check it out. Listen, uh, no matter where you're at, you're just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus. So can I encourage you, get in God's word. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Wrestle with the scriptures and understand it's okay to not know all the answers. But the scriptures tell us if we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open. So knock on, haha, to quote uh, Eric Clapton and then Guns N' Roses, knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Ask God to show himself to you. He'll answer the door. I promise. Thanks again for tuning in. And uh, I'll see you guys on Monday for another Bible study live. Love you guys. See you then.